Good morning, everybody. I like how that ends there. Yeah. Are you up for it? Hey, we're jumping into a brand new series today. It's called Up For It. We're talking about living out a life of faith when Jesus speaks, when he calls us to take that next step, whatever that is on the journey that we are up for it, that we're saying, hey, whatever's come before in my life, my trials, setbacks, my screw-ups, you know, whatever's gone before, I'm, I'm going to respond to you in faith, Lord, and say, I'm up for it. I'm in. So that's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. I'm really excited um, because I know that one of the things I love about our, our relationship with Jesus and this walk of faith that we are uh, that we walk out as individuals and as a church is there is always a next step with Jesus, always. So maybe you're here today and you feel like maybe the, the fires of hell chased you into church today, maybe clapped your butt cheeks a little bit as you came in the door and you're just barely making it into church and you're like, man, I need Jesus. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Hey, you're welcome here today. This is the right place. You're not here by accident. God brought you here. Maybe you're two steps away from heaven. You've been saved for a long time and you, you, you and Jesus are on speed dial you know, he's got you in his favorites list. Um, there's always a next step. Wherever you are or feel that you are on your journey of faith, there's always a next step. And one of the things that, that happens for us as believers is that God always brings us to a place of faith, of needing to trust him again. How many of you know that faith is never fun in the moment? The things that I'm going to share, some testimonies and things today, when we can look back and go, hey, when I stepped out in faith and God showed up, that's awesome. It's easy to preach that. It's easy to be like, yeah, we stepped out in faith. And then whatever the challenge is right in front of you, that's the one that's difficult, isn't it? But as we talk about being up for it and saying, Jesus, I'm going to respond to you. I think it, it, it really is important to mention that this takes place within the context of purpose. One of the things that we are really big on here at Joy Church and what we are about, part of our DNA is that we were made on purpose and for a purpose. I'm pointing over here because we have it on this banner here. But this, this phrase is more than just a cutesy phrase that we have on the banner. It's more than something that just is a clever statement. It is rooted in what I believe is a biblical reality of life, that we are not just time plus slime plus chance, uh, but we are actually lovingly formed and fashioned even, yes, within our mother's womb. Come on. Uh, even before you come out on planet Earth out of your mama, God was already at work in you, forming your destiny, forming the purpose that he has for you. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good, the good things he planned for us long ago. God has good things in store for you and for you to do to be a blessing to the world around you. It's no surprise to me that in our generation, a, a generation that has been raised with this concept and ideology that you were somebody's mistake, all you are is time plus slime plus chance, you're just, uh, you're just biology and bone and you're dancing to the tune of your DNA. It's no surprise to me that so many people live a very hopeless existence because they're disconnected from purpose. But we, as the family of God, as the people of God, we know that we were, again, made on purpose by God, come on, and for a purpose, that we are called to rule and reign with Christ, even on planet Earth. We're called to make a difference. We're called to let heaven come to us and flow through us and make a difference in the people around us. And so it shouldn't be said for any Christian that any day they wake up without hope, without purpose, that they wake up any day uh, without knowing, man, I'm called of God and, and today's a good day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice in it. I'm going I'm to take on the challenges that God brings to me and I'm going to respond to them in faith and say, yes, Jesus, because he can do something amazing. Yes, with just even our ordinary life. I'm going to preach today. Is that all right? Come on. I'm going to do it anyways, but you can join and be excited. You know, at Joy Church, 
We are not a church of consumers. We're a church of contributors. One of the differentiators here is that we believe very strongly, this is our core DNA of who we are as a church, that we are not to be spectators, but we are to be participants. That we're not called to sit on the bench in the game of life and in the game of faith, but we're called to be out on the field. You know, last night as we were watching the mighty Oregon Ducks, God's chosen, anointed, and, and uh, appointed team bring humility to a team from Hawaii. Bless them. God bless them. But uh, they were up 55 to 10, you know, late fourth quarter. But all of a sudden, the Ducks were clearing the bench. It was like, man, the water boy got in at one point. You know, we had people out there. I think the women's volleyball team was out there. We had lacrosse players. But at the, when it was such a beat down, they're just getting everybody out there. And I was thinking about this. Man, this is not, not when the game is just a beat down, but all the time in God's family, every single one of us is a player. You're not a bench warmer. Come on, you're meant to be out there on the field. We're not, we're not just spectators. And so when God comes and speaks to you, I believe even today he's going to speak to you. And our, I, I'm praying that your response will be, God, I'm up for it. What you say, no matter what's come before, but right now at your word, Jesus, I'm going to respond and I'm going to take that next step of faith, whether that be big or small. You know, in life, there's different people. Some people are kind of up for it, whatever it may be. Other people, not so much, right? Usually you're married to this person. It's usually the opposites attract. So I asked this in, in first service, so I'll ask it again. But, you know, um, if I was like, hey, Bethany, uh, we got, you know, somebody wanted to bless us with skydiving and we got to run right after church and head out there. Babe, are you up for it? She's in. She would do it. Bethany's up for it, right? How many of you are like totally up for it? Skydiving? Yeah, you just go for it. How many of you like me are like, why waste a perfectly good airplane trip? Come on. <laughs> Anybody else? Thank you. So how many of you know we need the people like Bethany to run up ahead in faith and the rest of us, what are we going to do? We're going to make sure the budget's balanced and we're going to make sure things are in place. Make sure somebody's cleaning up after church today, you know, <laughs> all the responsibility. But in life, you've got, you've got people that are just up for it. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Just anything. I remember when I was growing up in the youth group at church, and I was, you know, still thinking I had to try to fit in with the other teenagers and stuff. I was actually born as a 45-year-old man. I don't know. <laughs> That's just what happened for me. But uh, my friends would be like, hey, we're going to go to Applegate Lake. I grew up in Southern Oregon, and we're going to go over to Applegate, and we're going to jump off rocks, you know, into the water. And how many of you are like, I'm in. Yeah, awesome. I was like, that sounds terrible. Do we get a prize? Is somebody going to judge us, right? Like 10.0, you know, no. Do we get paid? No. Do you get wet when you go in the lake, right? Yeah. It's not like heated, is it? No. I just never made any sense to me. So I went with them one time, my friends, and I was like trying to fit in. And they're like, Jake, jump off the rock. And I was like, I'm good. <laughs> so I just sat like a loser on the side of the lake. My friends were, wee, you know, and then I realized people that like jumping off rocks are people that invent, end up, you know, somebody has to make the chicken nuggets at McDonald's, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're up for it, come on. I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. And don't, don't be slagging the chicken nuggets, they're pretty good. Uh, what I realized is that, no, I'm just wired a little different. Um, but you know what? In, in the kingdom of God, you don't want to be the guy like Jake sitting like a loser on the side of the lake. You don't want to be the guy who says, no, I'm, I'm, it's, too, it's cold, it's too hot, it's not comfortable, it's not good. It's okay if you don't want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. But man, when Jesus calls you to take that step of faith, 
Don't be the person that holds back. Don't be the person that plays it safe. Be the person that says, if you speak, I'm in. That's how we're to be in the kingdom of God. I want us to read a story today. It's an awesome passage about when Jesus called his disciples to him. And it's a story about faith and about the potential of what, when we respond in faith to the, to the word of Jesus, when we respond to what he's calling us to do, what can happen in our own life and also in the people around us. It's in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him, this is Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. It's another term for the Sea of Galilee or Lake of Galilee. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon, this is the guy that later is called Peter, uh, he's, Simon Peter is his name. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and we've caught nothing. How many of you, this is why you don't go fishing, right? People are like, do you like to fish? No, I like to catch and I like to eat. But the fishing part, take it or leave it. I found I'm an amazing fisherman. Like go to Red Lobster, whatever I order, it shows right up on the plate. Or fisherman's, way better, fisherman's market, come on. So they, uh, uh, they've caught nothing. We've toiled all night. But nevertheless, remember that word because that's our theme word for today. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled the boat so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. Verse 10, And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. This is when he calls him to be a fisher of men, right? He's called to be a disciple of Jesus and to live a life of mission. In verse 11, we see an incredible response. It says, so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Jesus, I pray that today as we engage with your word, we would not just come in here and leave the same as we walked in, but that you would touch our hearts, that our hearts would be good soil to receive your word, that we would let it be planted and it would produce fruit in our lives. And I pray specifically today, God, that we would say, nevertheless, whatever happened before, whatever's come before, the mistakes and hurts of others in my life towards me and the things I've done in my life and the setbacks, I'm not going to let my toil, I'm not going to let my troubles stop me from responding to your word. So I pray, Lord, you would let that faith be born in us today as we hear your word and respond to it in Jesus' name. Amen. The question for us today is this. Do we have a nevertheless kind of faith or is our faith kind of like mm, maybe kind of faith or someday or later? Like when Jesus comes and he says to you, hey, I want you to take this next step. And it doesn't matter whether it's a big step or a small step. But the thing that he's asking you for, the thing that he's put in your heart, that next step for you in your walk with him do we have this kind of spirit that says, not what came before, not, not the toil that I've, that I've gone through, not the troubles that I've walked through, not my own failures and inadequacies and insecurities and those kind of things. I'm not going to let that stop me. But when Jesus, when you come and speak to me, I'm going to say, yes, I'm in. I'm up for it. Let's go. Let's rock and roll, Jesus. Come on, I'm ready to go. That's the kind of spirit that God wants to generate in us today. Let me just tell you right now, I don't know where you've come from. I don't know what your story has been. I know for all of us in our life, there's been 
For some more, some less, but there's been a measure of pain. There's been measures of failure. Uh, when I look back at my past, if I could go back and redo a bunch of stuff, I would. Anybody else? Right? There's, there's things. And we like to say, oh, well, I would, wouldn't be the person I am today if I hadn't made those mistakes. You're like, nah, I'd go back and invest in Apple. <laughs> so there's some things that I didn't do that I would do, some things that I did do that I wouldn't do, right? I remember some cringe-worthy moments as a teenager when I did some stuff and I'd be like, I could go back, I would change it. But you know what? You can't do that. What you can do today is decide to hear the voice of Jesus and respond with faith. And I love this word, nevertheless, because it's saying, hey, we're pivoting right here. We've, this is what we've done, Jesus. Like, and we'll talk about this in a minute. But Peter's saying, we have toiled. We have worked hard. I'm a professional fisherman. I know how the fish work here in the Sea of Galilee. But nevertheless, when you speak, I'm going to respond. That's the kind of faith God wants to put in our heart today. Let me give you some thoughts about this passage. Number one, ordinary obedience. Ordinary obedience unlocks extraordinary moments. Ordinary yeses. Ordinary I'm just going to show up and respond in this moment to Jesus. It opens up extraordinary moments, extraordinary miracles, extraordinary encounters. There's a lot of people that if God asked you to do something big, you would. But why don't you do something small when he speaks? A lot of people are like, well, if God called me to die for my faith, I would. But what about when he calls you to die to yourself in that argument with your spouse? <laughs> well, that's just a little thing. Yeah, but you know what? God invades our ordinary lives with extraordinary power when we just say yes in the small things. Some of you, the devil's kind of been working on your head like you're not, you're nothing. You're not really doing anything. You're just, you're just, uh, you know, mom raising your kids at home and, 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 you know, you're just being a loving wife or you're just a dad going to work and loving your family or you're just at work, you know, being faithful to serve your boss or whatever that is. And the devil's kind of working on you like you're pathetic, like you're nothing, like it doesn't matter. I just want to tell you, Small obedience in the hands of Jesus can be a powerful thing. And you're planting seed and it's going to come back to you in a big way. Now in this story, in uh, chapter th verse 3 here, Jesus doesn't ask for permission. He just shows up in Simon's boat. Simon, these guys have done their fishing thing. They're, they got the, the boats, I'm sure, pulled up on the, on the shore here at the Lake of Galilee. And all of a sudden Jesus is, is preaching and we know who Jesus is. We know who he becomes. We have to kind of remember though that Simon and James and John, these guys right now, right now they don't know who Jesus is. At least in the sense they will come to know him. And so here's Jesus. He kind of does a boat jacking. He just shows up in Simon's boat. And Simon, you know what Simon could have done right here and probably what you and I would do? Hey, dude, get out of my boat. Bro, this isn't like story hour. We just got done working and I'm hangry and it's time for you to like, you do your Jesus thing, like you go preach over there. I'm going to go ahead and get my boat and we're going we're gonna to move on with life. But that's not how Simon responds. He just says, okay, I'm going to roll with this. He's willing to let Jesus use his boat. And it's nothing major. It's not like some massively spiritual moment. What it is, is, is allowing Jesus to take the space in your zone that he wants to take. And I want to ask you this today. What is the, what is the boat moment right now in your life? Where, where do you feel the prompting of Jesus? Or maybe he didn't even ask you, but he just sort of shows up and you kind of feel like, man, I think Jesus kind of wants to like maybe speak into my marriage a little bit more. Maybe Jesus wants to speak into how I show up uh, as a member of Joy Church, that I wouldn't just be a spectator watching the people on the stage do their Christian thing, but actually like I'm to be activated and maybe you just feel Jesus is kind of there. You know, in, in church, we love to use that analogy of Jesus knocking on the door, right? Behold, I stand. 
at the door and knock. And so Jesus is just there like, you know, and you, and you have to make a decision. That's how he knocks. I don't know. That's in the Greek. You can actually, it's that rhythm. Jesus is there and his, you feel maybe a little bit of an intrusion. Like Jesus is showing up. He's standing in your boat and you have an opportunity to go, I think I'm going to lean in to this moment. I think I'm going I'm to say yes to him. And maybe it's just a small thing. Just opening some space for Jesus in your life. Maybe it's that, that feel that you need to be more faithful and be a part of church and not just be, again, a spectator, but begin to participate. Maybe it's to open your home for a joy group. Maybe it's to take that step of faith and go sign up for Next Track and actually become a member here and learn what it means to be a, a follower of Christ in the context of community. Not a Christian consumer, but a, but a contributor, part of the family of God. Whatever it may be, I just want to challenge you that ordinary obedience those small things that maybe you think wouldn't count, they count in a big way. They lead to extraordinary moments. Another thought. A word from God changes everything. I love it in, in verse 4 and 5 when Jesus tells Simon, hey, why don't you go ahead and put your, your boat out into the deep again? Um, let's go ahead and, and, and try this thing again. And Simon is a professional. These guys, they, they make a living. This is how they, they live and eat and provide for their families uh, by being fishermen. And so they, they know we already did this. We already tried. Um, this doesn't make sense logically why we should go back out into the lake. And yet Simon understands something here, or at least he perceives something that I found to be true in my life and that we see throughout the Bible is that when you have a word from God, it's a game changer. When God speaks into your life, it doesn't matter what anybody else is saying. Oh, well, you can't. Well, your past disqualifies you. Oh, you're too much of a man. You're too much of a woman. You're too toxic in your masculinity, femininity, or whatever. You're whatever. You're this, you're that. The labels, the, your past, the stigmas, the stories, or even your own head telling you, well, you've made too many mistakes. And let me just say one more time, when God speaks, it doesn't matter what anybody else is saying. Yeah. And so here's Simon in this moment, and Jesus says, why don't you go ahead and head out into uh, the lake again? And he sees an incredible miracle because he chooses to trust in the word of the Lord. Throughout my life, what I found is that I am often in my own head the first person to disqualify myself from the good things God wants to do in and through me. Anybody else relate to that? It's like the voice of Jake resonates pretty loud. Well, you know, you, you, you're kind of a mess up. You, you've just screwed up too much or you've done too many things wrong or uh, you're not qualified to do that. You're not good enough. How dare you think you have that, the audacity to, to do what uh, what you believe God's calling you to do. But in my life, what I've also learned is that when God is speaking, that is the voice I need to tune into and listen to. And it's a game changer when you have that, even in the midst of things that don't make sense. Back in 2016, Bethany and I had both lost our jobs. We were asked to leave the house that we were living in. And so we had to get a rental house in South Eugene. And it was in that kind of moment of crisis and transition that we uh, heard from different leaders in our life. And, and as we were praying about what to do, uh, one of our, our spiritual mentors said, hey, I really feel that you are supposed to stay in Eugene and Springfield and plant Joy Church. Uh, and, and I'm like, well, I don't bear witness with that. You know, no, I, I really believe it. Would you just pray? Would you ask God? And I remember Bethany and I were, were in that uh, couple days just really seeking God and saying, okay, Lord, we're not going to go out. We've already toiled. We're not going to go back out to the lake if we don't hear from you, right? So when I'm talking about going and putting your nets in again. I'm not saying because you just like hear a good sermon. I'm saying God speaks and his word is a game changer. And I remember we were in prayer and we're seeking God. And one day I go, babe, I'm going to go up to uh, 
Skinner's Butte, not Spencer's. Spencer's, you have to walk to the top. Skinner's, you just drive. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. That's how it works. Why would you waste a perfectly good automobile? It's a miracle of technology. Some of you are like, oh, I like the nature. Well, watch the National Geographic channel. I'm teasing. Anyways, I drive up to the top, and I don't know, I don't think there's anything spiritual about being on a hilltop, just in case you think that. I think maybe what was more spiritual is all the weed smoke that was up there. Maybe <laughs> visions. It's easy to hear God, you know, you're having a contact eye. Um, Unless you think I'm too cool and, and hip, I actually didn't even know what marijuana smelled like until we moved to Eugene, because <laughs> Bethany was like, hey, that's what weed smells like. I was, oh, okay. I was homeschooled. I wasn't even allowed to watch The Simpsons. I don't know what weed smells like. So, and in case you were thinking I'm like pothead or something, I'm not. I, my, my vices run more towards like Skittles, you know what I'm saying? So, anyways, I'm up there on the hill, and uh, I'm just like, God, I need to hear from you. I need to get a word from you. And I remember being up there and looking over downtown Eugene and just really sensing the Lord's putting in my heart, this is your city. Like, this is your assignment. This is your place. And when I got that word from the Lord, it was like every other voice just goes from 100 decibels to zero or, or three decibels. Because when God speaks, it's a total game changer. And Bethany and I, we go, you know what? Okay, we have a word from the Lord. We're going we're gonna to plant Joy Church. We took our life savings, which was rather minimal, but got it on the line. And we had Kyle and Judah and a couple different families were there and, you know, planted Joy Church in 2016 in our living room in the South Eugene Hills. And uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful thing. But man, people on the surface would go, that's not a good idea. Like you're not financially secure. You guys are just come through transition in your life. Like you just moved. Like there's, there's all this kind of stuff. Guess what? When God speaks, the other voices, they don't count as much, right? Or at all. Uh, it was like in that moment, we knew we we're going to step forward in faith. So but right before we started the church or right in that, that whole season, I don't remember if it was just before or just after, but we're sitting at our house up there, getting ready to plant the church. We're excited, believing God, have his word, you know, to move forward. My parents were in uh, Harrisburg at the time and they called us one night. They were at a conference and they said, hey, we want to take you guys out to the old spaghetti factory in Corvallis. And we're like, praise the Lord. So we, um, and some of you are like, you don't like Olive Garden, but you'll eat at Old Spaghetti Factory. It doesn't make sense. It just is. So anyways, we, we decided we're going to go get pasta. The kids are hyped. They're excited. So we hop in our car. We're getting ready. to. We're like, yeah, Papa and Grandma are going to buy us pasta. And we're all excited. And we didn't have a lot of good stuff going on in our life at this point, right? So how many of you know when you're down pretty low, even little things, you know what I'm saying? Be like, breadsticks are like better than, you know, anything. So we're, we're, we're going to go to Corvallis and, and, uh, um, evangelize some heathen be beaver fans. But we were there to eat pasta. And so we get in the car, we head down Bailey Hill Drive. And as we get down towards the bottom of the hill, all of a sudden the transmission in our, in our car died. And we just kind of like slide into the red light. And then just thank you, Eugene, it starts to rain at that moment. And the kids are in the backseat like, what's going on? And Bethany and I just, it was one of those gut check moments of like, Ugh, this absolutely stinks and everything is broken. And it was in those moments, that season of life, but our spirit would continue to say, it, it doesn't matter. Nevertheless, we can limp our car down to the transmission shop. Like we can walk. If we have to walk to church to plant the church, we're going to do it. Nevertheless, we're going to do it. Why? 
Well, because Jake, because you and Bethany are so tough and so spiritual. No, because we had a word from God. And a word from God changes everything. Some of you need to stop tuning in so much to social media and the news and what the economy's doing. And you're, you're worried about the business that God might have called you to start. You're worried about your marriage and you're tuning into all these other voices and all these other messages. Let me just tell you, when God speaks, it changes everything. Maybe take some time and, and you can drive to the top of the hill or if you're up for it, you can hike to the taller one and you can say, Jesus, I'm here. I need to hear from you. I need a word. Like I need a word that I can sink my teeth into that even when contrary things come and when circumstances come and storms of life and all this comes that I can just say, nevertheless, this is what God said. Come on, what would that look like in your life if you began to be directed by the voice of God rather than the voice of everything else, your own head, your own insecurities and other people around you? Nevertheless, because God spoke, we're up for it. A word from God changes everything. Number three, God can change your toil into triumph. I love it in verse 5. Peter, Simon Peter, he goes, well, Jesus, we've toiled all night. Do you know what the word toil means? It means to work extremely long or incessantly. Some of you feel like you're doing that right now during this sermon. Don't worry, we're going to get out of here soon. But in life, we understand what toil is. Some of you have been toiling at work in your career, feeling like Sisyphus. Every day you, you push a rock up the, to the top of the hill and the next morning you wake up and it's back there at the bottom. Some of you feel like in your marriage, you've been toiling, like this relationship. I know I made a covenant to this woman or this man, and, and we're trying to work it out, but like, ah, we're toiling every day. It's like, why does she act like that, think like that? And it's just toil, 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 right? Don't, don't say amen to this. Just, you know who you are. <laughs> Wife's looking at her husband, you know, don't you dare raise your hand. <laughs> husband. <laughs> Wife, you know. Maybe you've been toiling with your kids. You don't know uh, there's something going on in your, your, your parenting or just struggling here. There's toil. It's at work, wherever it is. We all have some measure of toil. Simon says, Jesus, we have worked hard. We know how this goes. Maybe right now you know you've already gone to all the counseling. You've already read all the books. You've looked at every Instagram webinar thing that popped up and you can't fix your marriage. And now you're at this place where you're going, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I've toiled. And I'm, no, I'm not going to take my boat out into the water again. I'm, I'm done. Listen, you might think, well, you know, Jake, you and Bethany, you guys are pastors and staff here and elders. Like, you guys don't toil. You don't understand. No, 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 no. We do understand. Every one of us, as human beings on planet Earth, we go through the season of toil in our life. And it doesn't matter how much you know God. There are times when you're just toiling. Anybody want to be honest about this, right? Where there's a struggle and you get to a place where you go, man, I've done everything. I've used all my strength, everything I know to do, and I am just done. Please listen to the voice of Jesus today. Say, trust me again and don't give up. Why? Because God wants to turn that toil into triumph, where he gets glory because that marriage that could not be saved by the, by the mind of a human or a counselor or a therapist or something you read on Instagram or some book you bought for $10.99 at Barnes & Noble but it was only salvageable and savable and, and could only flourish by the voice of God and the touch of heaven in your marriage that transformed you both. That child that was rebellious and walking away from God could only be transformed by the miracle power of God and God turns toil into triumph. That career that you thought, man, I've just done everything and I never get the promotion, I can't get blessed, I can't move forward and God does something new, God will change your toil into triumph. But what does it require? It requires that we go, God, I'm going to be open to listen to your voice 
I'm going to tune into your voice and I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. Maybe today you're ready to give up. Maybe you're here and you're like ready to go get divorced or you're ready to go turn your child into <laughs> the orphanage or whatever. <laughs> I'm done with this kid. No, in all seriousness though, maybe you are. Maybe just in your heart, your emotions, your mind, you're just, you're done. You're done. It's like, I've tried. I, I, maybe you're done with God. Maybe for you, you see other people in church and it's like, man, they must really like this music because they just seem like they're just all about it. And why am I broken? What's wrong with me? Like, why don't I ha- hear God? What's wrong with me? Listen, listen, don't give up. Toil can turn to triumph. Put your nets in the water again. Say, Jesus, at your word, nevertheless, whatever has come before does not define my future because God wants to speak and turn your toil into triumph in Jesus' name. Well, Pastor Jake, are you saying today that he's going to turn my toil into triumph? I don't know. I hope so. But it's, it's not going to happen if you give up. It's not going to happen if you, if you give in. It's only going to happen as you say, I'm going to continue to trust in Jesus and listen for his word. And God can do it. Yes and amen. Number four, faith equals trust plus obedience or action. I want to ask you this question. When God speaks in your life, when he has spoken and when he speaks now, do you move on it? Do you put steps and hands and feet to that word? Because if not, it's not real faith. You see, Simon, his response, this nevertheless response, was not, okay, I believe you can, and you can do it for someone else, or maybe for James and John in their fishing boat or whatever. It was like, I will do it. I'll actually put my nets out in the water. There was no miracle of fish if net never went into water. Do you understand? Where is the, does anybody understand? Awesome. Okay, a few people do. There was never going to be a miracle of provision if there wasn't obedience to activate this word. There's an old story about a man who was walking along a cliffside, and had I been there, I would have warned him, but he, he didn't listen. So he actually fell off the cliff, and uh, he was falling, free-falling down the side of this cliff and going to fall to his death. He was definitely going to die, and he th- threw out his hand, the last-ditch desperate effort, you know, and miraculously catches a branch. And he's hanging there, and in desperation, he shouts up to the cliff, you know, is anyone up there? Is anybody up there? And he hears a voice. Yes. Who are you? I'm God. And I'm going to save you. And the man, tears in his eyes. Oh, thank you, God. That's so wonderful. What should I do? Let go of the branch. Is anybody else up there? (laughs) Isn't that a perfect description of faith? Like the help, the hope, the, the, the change, the miracle, the transformation is there. But you're not going to get it until you actually do something with that word. You know, we probably should change how we do church because, number one, it would make my job easier, but number two, it would probably be better for everybody else, is we should do less information. Like, maybe we should do one sermon a month. And then the other three weeks are just about doing something with it. Because I think even the way we do church sometimes emphasizes the learning and not the application. But being a disciple of Jesus means you're a student, a follower. You follow in his footsteps When Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples, he says, teach them to obey my commands. A lot of people literally have the miracle of God's truth and revelation and the wonder 
of his voice sitting like a feast on a table in front of them with a fork in hand and they never take it and eat it. They never actually say God's word is not just something to be believed, but it's something to be lived out. That when I am talking about this thing about faith and this spirit of nevertheless at your word, I'm not trying to give you a cute phrase so you can be like, nevertheless, nevertheless, let's get a bumper sticker. No, I'm talking about when God comes and says, let go of the branch. You let go. Or when he says, take hold of this or take this step of faith, start a group, go to next track, begin to be a giver, whatever it is that you don't just say, oh, that was nice. Nice words, good feelings. I feel better. I feel better for a few hours. Why? Put it into action. Real faith is trust plus obedience. Jesus' brother James said it this way in James chapter 2, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. I will show you my faith by my works. The Christian faith. Faith in Jesus and this faith that we live out was never meant to purely be just in the abstract realm of belief apart from real life. Every New Testament Christian understood that the Christian faith was a trust, a belief in a person that led to modeling and living out that life that that individual, Jesus, lived. Now, do we need his grace? Absolutely. Do we have to put our faith in Jesus? Do we believe in Jesus? Yes. But when we believe in Jesus, he says, follow me, and we actually have to follow and take those steps in our life. And so it is trust plus obedience that equals real faith. So again, what is that step of obedience in your life today that you need to take? What is it? And the last thought out of this passage is this. There's always more to the miracle. You know, I love this miracle that's done. They, they had a big party, I'm sure, with all this fish. Pretty exciting. I actually had an opportunity a couple years ago. Mark and I went to Israel and we ate fish at Galilee. Did you eat fish there, Mark? Did you get fish or did you eat a hamburger or something? Fish. No, he had fish. Okay, me too. And we got pictures of the fish, you know, with the bones and everything, holding them up. And that was a pretty neat thing. And, and I'm sure these fishermen were pretty excited to have a miracle catch on that day. But you know what? That was like the smallest part of this miracle because a greater miracle was taking place, activated by this faith. The miracle that God does for you, the, the triumphs that he brings out of your toil, it's meant for more than just you. I like it in the story of Abraham. When God calls Abraham, he says, Abraham, you will be blessed to be a blessing. Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but you're going to be a blessing to all the nations and people of the earth. This is what the, the Christian blessing is about. This Abrahamic inheritance is that the miracle that shows up in your life, the, the blessing of God in every way that that comes to you or any way that it comes to you, it begins to spill over and touch other people and impact other people. I love it in this story how there was such a great provision of fish that Peter had to call over James and John, his partners, and be like, guys, we need more capacity to contain what God is doing in this moment. Listen, if you get touched by God and there's a miracle in your life, it's going to absolutely touch the people around you and impact the people around you. That is an awesome thing that happens here. But even better than that, in verse 8, when, when Simon sees this miracle, he doesn't go, hey, Jesus, thanks for all the fish. You know, hey, Jesus, this was great. What a great miracle. We're going we're gonna to be living well for the next few months with this catch. What does he do? He falls down in the boat at the knees of Jesus. He falls down and he says, depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Why does he act this way? I mean, that doesn't make any sense if you think about it. 
Try to forget everything you know about Jesus that comes later, right? Why in this moment does Simon fall down and begin to repent? Here's why. Because he gets a revelation of who Jesus actually is. He realizes that fish don't fill nets after a night of toil. He realizes that marriages don't get fixed and transformed because you gave your life to Jesus. That doesn't actually make sense. He doesn't understand that children that are lost and broken and hurt come back in a relationship with their parents. He doesn't understand those things don't happen until God shows up. And so Simon in this moment, his revelation is about fish. Your revelation might be about your marriage. It might be about your kids. It might be about your finances. I don't know. But faith invites God into your story. And when he shows up and you recognize him, you fall down on your knees and go, oh, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. He had a revelation of Jesus and who Jesus is. And so he doesn't go, thanks for the fish. The fish becomes such an unimportant thing because the gift doesn't matter when you have the giver right there in front of you. You see, Peter or Simon, as he's called here, his name means reed. Jesus says, you're going to be called Peter, which means rock. Simon Peter, in this moment, has a revelation of Jesus, and it changes the course of his life. And then in verse 10 and 11, we see that these humble fishermen here on the Sea of Galilee, when they've just had the greatest catch of their life, what do they do in verse 11? They forsake it. It's like Jesus gave them everything they wanted, and they were like, ah, thanks. It's almost like To me, if you think about it, it's almost like, man, Jesus did this amazing miracle of the fish and they just left their fishing business right when they had their greatest opportunity. It's like the Jesus comes and gives you the the numbers to the lottery and then you give all the money to Mother Teresa or something like, you just kind of like forsook it. Why? Because you have the giver. You, you, You got the actual thing that was powerful. And listen, Simon wasn't called to be the best fisherman in Galilee. He was called to be a fisher of men. His fishing business went to a whole nother level, an entirely new level of existence because he goes from catching fish in the region of Galilee. All of a sudden, we know that this person, Peter, as he follows Jesus, he's transformed and he goes all over the place. Some scholars believe he even got all the way to England, which was a province of the Roman Empire. So he goes from Israel, Judea, all the way... I mean, all over the world, the known world, preaching the gospel, making a difference, his call was much greater than just to be a fisherman. But it comes from an encounter out of this place of faith, out of this place of nevertheless, that he says, look, I've put in my effort, my time, my toil, but I'm going to put those nets in again. And when he saw Jesus, it changed everything for him. Jesus is the prize, not the gift, it's the giver. This morning, I want to give an opportunity for all of us to respond to this word. I just ask that you would lift up your hands. God, I pray today that as we hear this word about nevertheless, that Lord, I know you're speaking to individuals. You're speaking to hearts and minds here in this place. And you're saying, take that boat out, put those nets in again. Maybe right now there, there needs to be faith that's stirred for a marriage or faith that's stirred for a family, faith that's stirred for a career. Maybe it's faith to be healed. Maybe there's a physical illness that's just been a battle. It's just been toil, incessant, pushing a rock up a hill every day. And I pray, Lord, right now that you would show up in miracle power, that you would show up like you did for Simon, show up for someone here today and turn toil into triumph, turn heartbreak into healing. Lord, I thank you that you are the God that turns mourning into dancing, that you take the cloak of heaviness and despair and you bring joy 
And I pray that your joy would flow today. You would show up, Lord, for any one of us today, God, that's raising our hands and saying, I need you, Jesus. I want to see you today. Show up in my life in a powerful way. You did it for Simon. Do it for me. And I pray that out of this miracle would come an encounter unlike anything we've ever had before. A fresh encounter that we would see you, Jesus, and not just see the gift that you give us and the blessings, but see your face the beauty of who you are, that you are that pearl of great price in a field that we'd sell everything for, that even in the the face of getting everything we want in life, we would forsake it to follow you because we know the real prize is you, Jesus. I pray for this in Jesus' name. We say nevertheless in Jesus' name. If you just bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment, we're going to finish here in just a few, few minutes. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Jake, I'm not a follower of Jesus and I know that I need to give my life to him, I want to invite you right now to put your faith and trust in Christ. Jesus, just like 2,000 years ago on the shore of Galilee, was calling these humble fishermen to come and follow him. He's calling you today to come and follow him. And so if you say, Pastor Jake, I'm a sinner, I need a savior, just raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you today. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out, but hey, I need Jesus. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. Come on, anybody else? Come on, that's awesome. 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 Anybody else here today? I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to be his follower. I want to give him my life. I want to be forgiven for my sin. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to pray this prayer together. Let's all pray. Dear Jesus, I put my hope and faith in you. I trust you with my salvation. Thank you for the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be right with you. I give you my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.